Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Our next guest uh, is fantastic at his job. He really is. Greg Biggins, national recruiting analyst, 24-7 sports. He's a fantastic follow on social media. He's a great read. He knows what the hell's going on. That's why we bring him on this show. I got to ask him. Uh, I want to ask him about some of the recruiting that trends that he's seen in the Pac-12. I want to ask him about uh, DJ Uyunglele, the transfer quarterback moving from Clemson to Oregon State. I know Biggins was all over kind of the initial recruitment to Clemson. Want to know what he thinks is happening there, what kind of quarterback Oregon State might be getting. Plus, Biggins has been out at these national events where all the big-time four- and five-star recruits are playing and showcasing themselves, and he's joining us now live via satellite, Greg Biggins. Where are you today, Greg Biggins? I'm leaving my little local 24-hour fitness, which actually is only open from, like, <laughs> 8 to 10, so I'm not sure why they still call it 24-hour. But, yeah, I got in late from Orlando, so I'm trying to get out some of, you know, sweat out some of the, some of the elements of a, of a week in Orlando, Florida, so I'm feeling kind of good right now. I like that you got into the gym. That's a win, man. Take it. Got to. I, I'm taking it. Yep. For 30, 30 minutes in there, and I know I had to talk to you, so I didn't want to be, like, huffing and puffing. I still probably kind of am. But uh, what, what, what can you do, John? I don't mind, man. If you want to jump on the treadmill while we do this interview, I don't mind. Uh, and it, it adds some <laughs> flavor to it. Uh, Biggins, let me ask you, what's going on in Orlando? Tell us about the event there and what you're really looking for when you go down to those events. It was cool. No, it was good. You know, for me being a West Coast guy, it's, it's a it's a fun opportunity to see players from outside my region. Obviously, you're you're watching my film and you know you're you're seeing these guys at other events, whether it be Elite Eleven, which is all quarterbacks, or Future Fifty, uh, which is all positions. But you know, it it, it kind of just you know in, in my head, I've always kind of said, you know, West Coast. Yeah, we have good skilled players, good quarterbacks. But man, the kids in the South are just kind of built differently in the trenches, and, you, and then you go out there. And it, it kind of just, you know, solidifies that thought. I mean, some of the guys in the in the trenches, big offensive linemen, big D tackles, man, they're just different out there, man. They're just so big and physical. And um, so uh, that was cool to see some of those guys. You know, obviously Oklahoma, Jackson Arnold, um, he was my probably my top offensive player. It's the year of the quarterback. We have five quarterbacks ranked in our top 15 overall. And I think all five have a legitimate claim to say, hey, I'm the number one guy, but uh, you know, after watching Jackson Arnold, uh, again, I mentioned it, you know, Oklahoma signee, man, the, the kid is, is really special. It's hard for me to imagine him not being really, really good for two to three years, and then he's out, out to the NFL. Um, so some good quarterback play. Uh, also saw Jaden Rashada, uh, NorCal Pittsburgh kid, going to University of Florida. So it was good to see him in person. Haven't, hadn't seen him much this past season. So, um, But, yeah, but the big takeaways were, you know, the South is loaded with linemen, um, the West Coast. Zach Branch was the most explosive kid there going to USC. He actually might run track this spring, which is kind of fun. Uh, you know, this would be like his, you know, high school senior year. But because he's an early grad and, and track season is obviously in the spring, he might try to try to piggyback that. And 
you know, I think he could do it. You know, he was a 10-3, 100-meter guy as a sophomore. Didn't run this past spring because he was focusing on football. But, I mean, this is a guy who, before he's done, he'll, he'll run a sub-10 at, at college at some point. So it'd be kind of fun to see him go to USC and, and run track this spring and then just kind of see what kind of numbers he can put up over the next couple of seasons. But, man, this, this kid's dynamic and uh, a really fun kid to watch. So those are just some of the quick takeaways for me. Give me an idea because, you know, when you go to these events, um, you know, is it easier for you to evaluate a quarterback, a, a skill position player, a lineman? Because I don't know, how hard are they playing? How hard are they going? Compare it like in the NFL we see the Pro Bowl. I don't think it's that, but – you know, obviously, these some of these guys don't want to get hurt. Is there is there a little bit of let up in these games, or are they playing really hard? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say not only is there a lot of let up, but you know, the game is almost secondary. You, you probably it's mm. probably a not even probably it, it's so much better to evaluate from the practices than the actual game itself. You know, practices and what I'm noticing not to go off in a little, little segue, but I'm noticing a trend the last couple of years that a lot of guys are opting out of playing in these big games. Um, they don't really care about their ranking at this point, and they've already got their college picked out. So uh, I, I think a lot of it, you know, just colleges are kind of kind of say, hey, take it easy. We don't want you to get hurt. You're going to be enrolling in a week. A lot, so for all the guys who sign and, and are going to be enrolling, that, that's like now. So the next two weeks is when you see a lot of the early enrollees. So colleges don't really want them to do too much. And, and honestly, this is just me just throwing this out. I think NIL has a lot to do with it, where some of these guys with the, with the big-name reputations, if they have these big NIL deals, man, they're probably told, hey, you don't go out there and work out. We don't want you to hurt your stock. You know, a bad performance might suddenly you might, you might lose some buzz. So um, I would say last year, but especially this year, for both games, I was in Orlando. Um, this weekend is the All-American Bowl in, in San Antonio, Texas. But you're seeing a ton of guys just not opting to play. And um, – I don't even know your question now. Oh, evaluation. Yeah. yeah. When, um, when you look at players, that. give me a, give me an idea, Biggins. Is it? Yeah. You know, when you're evaluating a guy, you know, sometimes I hear scouts they'll say, you know, it's easier just to look at a quarterback. You can watch him in practice, and you can tell he's got the skills, right? But is yeah. it harder at certain positions to evaluate? Do you need to see more, or is it trickier because? You know, a stud lineman, uh, you know, who's dominating everyone, you go, oh, you know, I don't know what he would do against other studs that are, you know, highly yeah. recruited players. No, easy. That's easy. No, so the, the, the biggest thing, as, as not that I'm, you know, Joe Scout, but the biggest thing is you, you, you're evaluating off of tools, not as, as a performance. Now, production matters, so don't take away me saying, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. Production definitely matters, but you're, you're looking at high-end tools because, you know, rankings are all a projection. Right? You know, for us, it's an NFL draft. We're trying to project three to four years. So, for example, Kayvon Thibodeau, he came out to Under Armour, didn't work out one day. The next day he kind of half-efforted it, didn't do great, you know, just because he just wasn't really feeling it. And if someone were to say, oh, you know, based on these practices, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's just okay. But, again, you're, you're ranking a kid on, like Kayvon on his length, his get-off, his burst, his natural pass rush skill, and all that other stuff can be taught in terms of technique. The, the worst thing you hear people say is, oh, I don't like his technique. No one cares about technique in high school because you're going to get taught that. Even if you have great technique, I'm doing air quotes, a really good college receiver coach, O-line coach, linebacker coach, whatever, they're going to tear apart your high school technique anyway and kind of rebuild you the way they want to see you. So uh, quarterback-wise, again, you're looking for me. I'm looking at, you know, feet, arm strength, accuracy, um, if a guy, Jackson Arnold, would have went one for ten, it wouldn't have mattered for me. Because in practices, I saw a guy with size, feet, athleticism, arm talent. He's smart. Uh, he's a leader, and he's tough. 
that carries more weight than anything else. Offensive line, D-line, one-on-ones, you know, you, you see, again, for me, I'm looking at get-off, length. Um, you know, some of these edge defensive ends were just freaky in terms of their get-off. Um, they're 6'5", they're 230, they're going to be 270. So you're looking at a guy's frame, how much weight can you put on him without him losing any of that natural twitch. That's more important than a guy who would go out and dominate, but he's already maxed out. I don't want to give a name because I don't want to feel like I'm putting the kid down. One of the best receivers out there is a kind of mid to high level three-star kid, um, probably the best route runner in the camp, but he's 5'9", and he's not super quick or athletic. He's very productive in high school, and he had a great week of practice. He was in our top performers list all the time, and people are saying, oh, is he going to be a four-star now? And you're saying, probably not because his, uh, he's already hit his ceiling. He's already peaked, really. He's not going to get any bigger. He'll get a little bit faster, but he's not a naturally twitchy kid. So what you see right now is, is what you get, whereas this kid, maybe from Florida, maybe from Georgia, he's not as well coached, but he's 6'1", 6'2". He does catch the ball, has no clue how to run a route, but he's a quick, twitchy, lengthy kid with upside off the charts. Once that guy gets taught how to run a route, you know, how to settle, how to do this, this, and that, that guy has a higher ceiling, so therefore that guy will have a higher rating. That doesn't always work out that way. Some guys, sometimes the kid who's a better football player will be a better college player as well. Um, but, again, when you're evaluating at a camp like this, it's not so much their production. It's more like their, their long-term projection, if that makes any sense. Total sense. Craig Biggins, uh, workout freak and recruiting an- analyst nationally for 24-7 Sports is with us. Uh, Oregon signed uh, a four-star quarterback, Austin Novosad. What do you know about Novosad? I like him. Saw him uh, four days at the Elite 11 uh, over the summer, and you know, one of my top guys for the first couple workouts out there. I heard he's already doing really well in San Antonio. So, I mean, he's, he's a great um, a, a great late pickup. And that kind of shows the power of, of Oregon football to lose a kid like Dante Moore. And I'm not going to sit here like I've seen some Oregon fans say, oh, he's better than Dante Moore. You know, yeah. he's the one that we wanted. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's, you know, be realistic, right? Dante Moore is, is a special, special talent who could be the number one player overall. Um, you don't need to, like, tear one down to raise up another. Um, but for Oregon to rally and to rebound that quickly and get a guy like Nova said, who's a national kid, a uh, top 10 to 15 quarterback, to be able to do that and flip a guy that late from a program, Baylor, who's really, really good in football, right, with a young staff, that, that shows the power of Oregon. So, no, I, I like him. He can move around a little bit. He's probably a, a plus athlete. He throws the ball well. He's got all the tools that you want to see. He's smart. So, no, I, I like him a lot for Oregon. Give me an idea. You know, you've been around – uh, you know, both uh, Mateo and DJ Uyunglele. Uh, what kind of player is Mateo? Who's Oregon getting? Let's start with him. So they're, they're radically different in terms of their temperaments. And it's kind of funny. So you, if you ever talk to DJ, man, he's this really outgoing, gregarious. They're both phenomenal kids. I, someone who I, I have three daughters, you want your daughter to marry either one of those two guys. But, but then I'm just saying DJ is, you know, outgoing natural rah-rah leader. Mateo is really quiet, you know. He's, and that's kind of people have questioned, does he really like football? Because you'll see him, you know, he'll make a great play, and he's not a guy that's going to celebrate or taunt or do anything. And I think people have always said, man, I wish he had more of a killer instinct. Like, he'll have a chance to go for a kill shot, and, and instead of just burying the quarterback, he'll kind of like just, like, lay him down on the ground, right? Like, it's not like he's been told from a young age, hey, you know, play nice. But in terms of his athletics, athleticism, like, he's 6'5 and 260, and I've seen him at just some informal basketball workouts, just in-game windmill dunk on people. So, I mean, he's a high-level athlete. He's a, he's a top-five tight end prospect. If you were to recruit him as a tight end, he's going to come in as an edge rusher. So, 
I mean, he's got every, again, I mentioned earlier, the, all those projectable tools. He's got every single one of them. He's long, long arms, long frame. Uh, he can put on weight. He's a natural athlete. If they can kind of instill him, and I, please don't think I'm calling him a soft player. He's not, he plays hard. He does. But if they can kind of instill maybe a little bit more of a mean streak in him, then I think he's a, he's an NFL first-round pick uh, in, in three years. Is it, did it surprise you how well Oregon did? Because given their season, I think there were some concerns. And, you know, NIL may play a role here, Biggins, but Oregon came away looking pretty good on that early signing period. They did. You know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think they went from, like, outside the top 25 and vaulted all the way up into the top 10. Obviously, they lost Peyton Bowen. That was a big part of that top 10. But, no, they still closed really well. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, you know, NIL, Oregon's going to play that game really well. Um, they have a, a really good system in place, but they also have a, a staff. And we've talked about this a hundred times. Dan Lanning and that staff, whether it be Coach Meat, you know, Tosh Lupoy, um, you know, I can go on and on and on. But they are really good at recruiting. They're aggressive. They are, um, I will use the word maniacal and how hard they go after kids. They have a good, sound approach to it. They know what they're doing. They're strategic. Um, you know, Dalen Austin was a kid who they kind of got, that was a late flip, but I had heard, you know, for a while that they were kind of under the radar, kind of doing really good with Dalen and were able to, you know, flip him late. But, again, that, that had been in the works for a while. And that's kind of how this works. A lot of times part of being good at recruiting, you don't want to have everyone – uh, seeing your, your cards, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you, you have to kind of be under the radar where the school that you're currently committed to, you don't want them to know that you're really actively recruiting player until the last minute. And I, so I think Oregon does a really good job of, of being both strategic, being aggressive, and they close. They have, they have coaches that close really, really well. DJ Uyengalele uh, leaves Clemson going to Oregon. I don't know how much you have tracked him in college, but – uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at Jonathan Smith going. This could be a huge win-win. He gets a he gets a talent that he hasn't had before as a head coach. DJ gets a chance to kind of reinvent himself in an offense that isn't going to require him to carry the whole offense. Uh, how do you see that marriage going down? You know, I, I'm rooting. I, I I can't even tell you how much I'm rooting for for both parties. I want Oregon. I want him to, to do so well. Again, I've been covering recruiting almost 30 years. DJ's probably one of the two or three best kids I've ever talked to, and that and that's legitimate. And then I've always been a big Jonathan Smith fan. And you know what? Yeah, it didn't go great at Clemson. I watched a few of the games, and I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, that Clemson offense isn't very good," because like the two previous quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. I mean, they, they did okay there, right? Like you, you can't sit here and say, "Oh, this offense is bad." And you know, I think Katie Klubnick's going to do great there. So I just, for whatever reason, just didn't click with DJ. And, you know, I think Oregon State, it, it fits them. They have a, the, the power, a little bit more of a power run game. I think DJ works well out of, out of play action. Uh, you know, I think the issue with DJ is confidence. And you talk to anybody in sport, you can't play, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, you cannot play without confidence. I think DJ kind of had his confidence shaken a little bit. I don't know if it ever recovered. I think that'll be, you know, job one for Jonathan is getting, you know, him to believe in himself again because I still believe that the kid has NFL tools. You know, he's got a generational arm. He's a big athlete. I don't want to see him having to run quarterback sneaks ten times a game. I hated that part of the Clemson offense for DJ. Um, but I think Jonathan can, can do some things with him. And in terms of just his ability to just a pure thrower, like you said, he's, he's a, the best pure thrower that Jonathan's ever had. But, again, being a great quarterback, man, like 85% of it is, is shoulders up, right? It's your head. It's being able to process and go from one to two to three reads and just kind of knowing what you're seeing and making adjustments and audibilizing and all that stuff. And DJ needs to work on that as well. But from a pure 
physical standpoint, he, he's super gifted. I'm curious what you think of the return of Bo Nix to Oregon and how that may have impacted Dante Moore. Did Nix come back after Oregon knew Moore was flipping? Or does Moore consider that Nix is going to be there next year? He's probably not going to play if he goes to Oregon and he decides to go to UCLA. I know, you know, I don't want you to speak for the kid, but how do you read that? No, I mean, I'll speak for the kid. You know, Dante's come out and said, you know, the, the biggest thing was, was, wasn't was so much Bo Nix, although for me, I, I do think that played a role, but he said Kenny Dillingham leaving and going over to ASU was, was the, the biggest part of that equation. So, um, you know, do I think he wants to come in and play and compete right away? I do, and I think he sees that opportunity at UCLA better than Oregon because Bo Nix coming back, you know, he's a starter, no doubt about it, without, you know, assuming he stays healthy. So, uh, but Dante said, you know, this past week that, you know, it was, it was mostly Dillingham. And, and then he, he, he liked Chip Kelly, which I've said before, this is probably the biggest flip I've seen in the last 20 years because most flips, a, a guy will flip to a school that was in his, you know, top three or four before he committed. UCLA wasn't even in, his, in, in Dante's recruitment at all. And all of a sudden, you know, they got involved, did a visit, and a week later he's committing. So that, that was kind of radical for me to see UCLA even involved. I usually don't go after the high-end guys. But, you know, Chip, his reputation ironically built while he was the head coach at Oregon kind of paid off in getting Dante. So I would say it's twofold. It's Bo coming back, um, and just as importantly, if not more, it was Kenny going to ASU. All right, Biggins, you got to hydrate now. You've worked out. you got to hydrate, and you got to get sleep. Those are, those are the three biggest factors for your health. Agree, 100%. The sleep thing is rough for me, but I agree 100% on everything else. <laughs> That's why I talk to you, John. You're, you're the guy. You, you, you coach me up. I'm, I'm listening to you, and uh, you know I'm going to apply all that. I can be a different person hey. by tomorrow if I just do a couple of these things. I got three daughters, and I'll tell you, I probably got five hours of sleep last night. So that's that. I'm oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not us. practicing what I preach. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. So no, always good talking to you, man. Have a, you have too. a great New Year. Thanks for having me as always, man. I'll, you, you you guys be good. Happy New Year, Greg Biggins, twenty four seven Sports. Follow him on Twitter. He's really good. He's good follow. He's uh, you know he and Brandon Hoffman are the go tos on this show when I want to talk recruiting. Biggins does a great job, at Greg Biggins on Twitter. Leave it here. Coming up, we will play Punch It Audio. Connor Letourneau will be along to talk about the NBA, in particular his story on Draymond Green. A great story about sort of the the rebranding, the rebirth of Draymond yet again. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.